Corey Murray. And I'm Charlie Penn. And you're listening to Yes, yes Girl. Girl. Hey. Hey, Corey. Hello. Wait, hold up, hold up. Before we get excited, this week's guest is Hollywood royalty, Nia Long. Mm. Charlie Penn, we've been wanting to talk to Nia for Forever. a minute. I stand. We, I, who stand. doesn't love Nia Long? Who doesn't? I mean, like, I, mean, I remember her. I'm only one generation removed. I did not see her on the soap opera. Oh, but me either. Me either. Boys, Boys in the Hood. Yeah. Love Jones. Best Man. Ed, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Ma'am. Oh my God. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Where do we, we begin? It's too much. It's too much. But we're talking to her this week because Girlfriend is in a whole starring role, but she's always been in a starring role. Fatal Affair, Strong Black Lee, shout out, uh, Fatal Affair with Omar Epps. I love that they did a movie together. Oh my God. But I'll be honest, I know this is sort of a reunion for them from In Too Deep, which I kind of maybe saw, but maybe didn't see. I feel bad about that. But this is something both their fans needed. I did, yeah, when it came out. But it's been a while, right? So like you said, it was a it was a comeback moment. And who we love both of them. And this plot was Well, but first, let's talk about let's talk about the vampire blood they're taking because I saw someone post the old picture of them from from around the time of Into Deep and now. I mean, where's the age? I don't think Neil Long has ever aged. Like she she does not have a single wrinkle. There's no. not even a crease. There's not even a hump on her skin. I don't understand it. It's amazing. And you know, you're talking to people on video now. You know, people's, let's be honest, people's age is starting to, you, you see a little bit more in the video chat. I didn't see anything. So I think, you know, we all know that the Fatal Attraction movie, we've seen it, but I love when it gets us to talk about like new scenarios. And I think this movie really did, like new intricacies, right? With involving this whole like, stalker x scenario because we don't want to do too many spoilers but y'all know fatal affair it's coming right (laughs) you know what it is but in this one she ends up reconnecting with uh old like an old friend from back in the day just a friend because we'll you'll see they didn't even date no just someone she knew and it got really complicated and before long she was in an entanglement Wait, we never got to talk about the entanglement. We didn't get to talk. We need to talk about the entanglement. But this is this is when an entanglement goes wrong. Entangle. Did you see the remix on Instagram? Entangle. Yes. Entangle. Yes. (laughs) Why is that so good? Why is the internet so undefeated, y'all? I don't understand. I don't want to like it. I feel badly, but I don't because it's a bop. It is a bop. I played that thing about five times. You know, you have your your group of friends. And they just send you stuff. And I was just like, thank y'all for this. Entanglement with August. And he goes, entanglement, entanglement. When he's asking her, like, excuse me. Forgive me, y'all. Forgive me. Okay, Corey, before we get into Nia, we do have to quickly talk about the entanglement. But real quick, the fact that, like, she had this, this whole thing come about from just reconnecting with an old friend from back in the day makes me think a lot about like, you know, when you're in relationships that like when your old college friend or high school friend or not, let's not even say friend. It could be a classmate. Cause you remember back when like Facebook and Instagram started, you accepted everybody. Yeah. You're like, Oh, I kind of know that person except, except and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you know blank blank? And you're like, uh, they have mutual friends here and blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, you're like, once upon a time I did, they were in that math, you know, geometry class across from me at college, whatever, and you accept, and then every now and then you end up reconnecting with that person. Maybe they like something, they comment, they DM you, how you been? I'm always like, let me find the most succinct and clear way to answer this and get my whole relationship status together just in case they haven't been on my feed. So I'll usually be like, my husband and I are well. How are you? <laughs> You got to do it because you never, like, yeah, you know. yeah. So I totally agree with you, Charlie Penn, because I do this thing where someone reaches out to me who I know is um, married. I really quickly, where you go, my husband and I, what I love to say is, oh my God, thank you for reaching out, blah, blah, blah. How's your wife? Oh my God, I do that too. I'm like, I, just that, so like that's, that's, all in the same, that's all in the same paragraph because I'll be honest with you, one time I had a colleague from, well, he actually even wasn't a colleague. He was someone I went to school with, but I'll be honest with you, I didn't have an immediate memory and I'm, I'm guilty of this. I have a hard time remembering people. My mind is just fluttered. So, I mean, flooded. People, truly. Yeah. Like I just, I just can't, con I can't retain a lot of people's faces. So when he reached out to me, I was just like, oh, you went to Hampton. Fine. I went to Hampton. You, I must've known you, you know, we were there in the same time period. And we're chit-chatting, but keeping it very platonic. It was nothing, when I tell you, it was like, how are you? I'm fine. You work here. Great. It was very basic. Right. And sure enough, a few days later, and I, and I might even be quick to say the next day or two days later, his wife, who I also know, reached out to me and was like, hey, you've been talking to my husband. Oh, see? And I was like, like mm -mm. and I was like, see, I did, I slipped up and did not ask about the wife early on, and I didn't know that they were married. And I said, you know what? This is another lesson for me mm -hmm. to always ask, how's the wife? Or but how see, is the wife? Are you, how's the family? Like, so I'm very clear going into any communication. Like, right. I, I see you are partnered, and see, I respect it. I'm clear on that too. And I try, you're right. That's like a super great hack. Like, let me just go ahead and be sure that you know that I know I'm asking about your wife, your kids, everybody, and we're keeping it, you know, platonic. But I do think it's still hard because if you're the wife, right, or the girlfriend, just because you see the woman ask, it, you don't know, like they always say with relationships, right, Corey, you're looking at the tip of the iceberg, not what's underneath. So everything yeah, yeah. that we see is directly related to how we are feeling. So, right, like how they're feeling in that relationship. And I often think about it, like, doesn't matter what I say. If they're like, why is this woman talking to my husband, you know, in her DMs about anything or asking about me, right? It could be triggering. So I'll be honest, over the years, I've really just tried to like, if we weren't, if you're of the opposite sex and we weren't like always friends or super cool and it's not related to work, you know, like you pitching me something or something like that, I don't really do the back and forth out of respect for their situationship, marriage, you know, whatever, because you never know. And you don't you want know. things to come off wrong. And to me, it's like, if we're not really good friends, we're not homies, right? And we didn't really keep in touch and you don't, you're not like pitching a client or, you know, pitching a story or, you know, talking to me work-wise, then we don't really have anything to talk about nope. anymore. Nope. That's how I'm feeling. I agree with you. I agree with you. Which brings you to the point of one of the things I really that really hit home for me in watching Fail Affair is mm -hmm. the scene with Ellie 
Neil Long's character, where she goes to meet up with a girlfriend who's also a lawyer. So they're, you know, they wanted to get up, you know, have a drink. Get and together. Get together. Like we all do. Who doesn't do that? Okay. The girlfriend cancels because she's hardworking. She's, I mean, she's at work. She's just, she can't do it. Ellie's like, I'm already at the bar. I'm going to sit down, have a drink. In comes Omar Epps character, David, who she hasn't seen in a long time. They went to school together. They, you know, they were very friendly, but apparently nothing really popped off. And she's like, why not? You know, they start drinking. Okay, Ellie starts confessing some things that she's having some troubles with her own marriage, but they're trying to work it out. David sees this as an end. They go to the dance floor. They're dancing. There's a little, you know, there's some little slow jamming. Okay, there's a little bit of whiny. Uh, There's a kiss that happens, but nothing deep. But Ellie immediately realizes this is wrong. Like, I am married woman. She clearly comes back to her senses. And it reminds me of that scene back in Sex and the City 2, when Sarah Jessica Carrie Bradshaw, when she goes and she has that kiss with Aiden yep, in the souk, and when she goes back and has like the meeting with all the girls, and but it's Samantha that says, Girl, it's a kiss, don't need to call your husband, no need to call big, it's a kiss, calm down. I always loved Samantha for that because it was like, This, this is hey, this is it, this is it's nothing, nothing else happened. But clearly, as you will see, spoiler and fail affair. David takes that little moment of intimacy and runs with it runs and hard. runs all the way hard. Like you said, hard. And it just turns for the worst. Which so it got, I, oh, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. No, but it just kind of, but it just got me thinking as women, when you think you're having something platonic and, you know, but maybe it's a, a extra hand rub or whatever you, you're like, this is something small and gentle but the other person sees it as an entry point. And those entry points can be big or small. Like, okay, so like you're saying, a kiss is clearly an entry point, right? A grind Mm -hmm. on the dance floor is a little, definitely an obvious entry point. But I'll be honest, like when I first met my husband, right, Corey, and we really started like falling in love and getting together, he would kind of like admit and joke, but not joke. He was like, you are so bubbly and so friendly. And I can't even imagine how many men take it the wrong way because that's just me. Like the laughing, the smiling, like a lot of things that people tend to do, you know, that could be labeled flirtatious. I have a warmth with men growing up being raised by my dad, you know, my brother, like it's just a comfort. Right. But he was like, I just know that goes left. And that's always been in the back of my mind. So I actually try to tone a little bit of that down, you know, when I'm, you know, with colleagues or, you know, working with men, I definitely try to just, you know, not, not be myself, but like you said, avoid those entry points. I like what you said that, like the entry point, but also I think that's why sometimes I just avoid it altogether. And I've really, I mean, that's just my truth because I feel like if you leave the back window open, somebody's going to come in, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just don't ever crack the window. Like I just keep it keep it buttoned up not you know because I just I worry about that and then similar to these movies I'm getting somewhere I'm getting somewhere if once that roller coaster starts going you don't know what you're gonna do people can implode your life over misreading one text or one emoji girl that's I mean that's the whole premise of fail affair yeah and it's just like like, it can really it can really go happen I mean it could really go left real yeah. fast real quick and no so and Nia told us she had a stalker when we interviewed yes. Nia, she had a yeah. whole real life stalker 
Nia was very honest with us about that stalker situation. I mean, granted, it was a, it was a woman though, but still, a stalker's a stalker. A stalker's a stalker, and I had no a idea she had one. It was so real, and she even like Nia. You guys, we got real, real laid back, twirling her braids, Nia Long, and it was great. She talked about her views on marriage, which she doesn't speak about a lot. You know, she talks about motherhood. She talks about what it means to her to be a like a black actress in Hollywood for twenty plus years still on top and representing all different types of black women. We had a good, good kiki with Miss Nia. And y'all, before we wrap up and we get into this conversation, because Charlie's not going to say it, but Charlie, Ch- Charlie motherfucking pen made Nia motherfucking long cry. Oh, but I didn't mean that to. comes at the end, so you have to listen to it all the way at the end, but it's the most beautiful moment. Well, um, and you'll find out. I wanna, don't want to get spoilers, but listen to it, y'all. Up it next, so Nia Long. Wait, wait, Corey, but we didn't yeah. have an entanglement. Oh. We ha- I'm sorry, we must. We owe it to the people to at least go over our brief reactions because clearly people are still talking about entanglements. August up just dropped an entanglement song. Oh my God, I, I refuse to listen to it. Me either, girl. I'm like, I'm not gonna listen to it. they're going to start treating him like, like a child because he's behaving like one. Like, this is not what you do. You know what it also bothers me? He was like whole sick. Like, he has a whole autoimmune disease that he's battling. You know what I mean? Like He, he went through goes, so much trauma. He's so life. much trauma in his life. And now this is the thing that we're going to talk about the most. Like I wonder you slept if he, with Jada yeah. Smith. Yeah, and know? I wonder if he realizes that sometimes, like, inviting the world into your life isn't good for you, period. Mm-hmm. Even if it's your truth and even mm-hmm. if you needed to say it. I wonder if it's opened up a whole other door, you know, with people making memes, making fun of him. Like, well, if yeah. you're dealing with emotional health issues or if you are dealing with a lot of trauma, you know, and things like that, I think it's not good to be the, the trending conversation for two weeks and the butt yeah. of all memes jokes, right? Like it can't be a good space for you. I mean, look at our sister Tamar. Girl, what is going oh on? Oh my we are God, concerned. that thing was Tamar really hurt me. It broke that my really, heart. God bless her. I hope she pulls through this. Um, Ooh, I, I really do. Stay. I need her to stay and I need her to know that she is loved. And I really did a deep dive, Corey, and read about, you know, all the rumored reports of why. It's like she felt like her life was no longer hers to live. And that mm-hmm. everything that she did was being controlled by some TV company or, you know, rumors or, and when I look at all the, like the real bumps she's had along the way with her family and, you know, the real and with Vince, like she's taken a lot of blows. Yeah. And and no one ever stopped to say, can she still stand? (sighs) Uh, It's funny. I always, you know, when I've gone to speak at schools, um, people ask me about my job and they always end up asking about celebrities. And I'm like, I don't wish celebrity on anybody. Mm-hmm. I really, really don't because I having know. the world pick apart your life or when you have fails in, in, in life, the whole world, see that it was the 20th anniversary of Jill Scott's who is Jill Scott. And she did this beautiful IG post about how negative people were uh, to her. I mean, for going back as far as sixth grade, there was a, I hate Jill Scott uh, club. To, you know, she went to, when she was promoting her first album, she would go and talk to radio um, personalities. And then when she would leave and they would say back the radio, her radio interview, they would put a, a sound of a cow as an underlying track for each time she spoke. And 
but as she was telling this story, I was just like, oh my God, I would probably like go hide somewhere and never come out if that happened to me because it's so public, right? Right. And she was just like, she came through it. And, and so when I think about when I, you know, like you reading this stuff about Tamar, you just realize like some people are built for and some people aren't. And it's not, and it's any, it's not that it's, it's not bad that you're not built for, but it's, but you also need help in trying to get through it, you know? So you don't think that the only way out of something is to no longer live. And I think I need to wrap it with this, Corey. And I want to say this because of, you know, the Tamar news shocking all of us, you had jazz flies passing, you know, Mm -hmm. last month because of suicide, which shocked all of us. And then Amanda Seals came out and said she had a legit nervous breakdown. And I, I think I need to say, we all need to just say out loud for real, for real. It is never the wrong idea to check on your friends, especially Mm -hmm. your strong ones. Mm -hmm. It is always a good idea to directly ask someone if they're feeling depressed or suicidal, Mm -hmm. especially if you think that might be it. It's important. I'm doing this huge story, Corey, for the September issue um, about Black women and suicide. And the thing is, and I'll be quick, the stigma is that we're so strong, we don't do it. But that's Mm -hmm. why when we do, it's so shocking and horrifying because people are like, wait, what just happened? But Mm -hmm. we do retreat. We do get overwhelmed. We do start saying things that sound like goodbye. We do stop doing the things we love. And these are all signs. And it's up to all of us as our, you know, to take care of our sisters and pay attention to these things and just ask. Just be, you know, be a blessing. Ask a question. And then also to ask, how can I be the best friend to you? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't often ask that, but people will usually answer. Yeah. I had a, just really quickly, I had a friend literally call me and say, you know, we're texting, you know, we're all in this, we're all texting, texting, texting. And one time she called me and I thought immediately, like, what's wrong? What's happening? Because, you know, she called. She was like, nothing. She was like, I just wanted to hear your voice. See? And I realized I need to do that with, uh, with my friends. Like, let me just hear how you sound. You know what I mean? Like, hear how you're doing. Because, you know, like some people, a lot of people have shared over this quarantine. And, and if you're truly by yourself, like if you're, you know, if you're a single woman, if you're, you know, hey, things can get hard. Absolutely. Things can get hard. There's nothing wrong. People need people. People need brunch. You know what I mean? People need to hug. People need engagement. Maybe not entanglement, but engagement. Uh, so, anyway. And social media is not real life. So it's never tell life. yourself because someone's last picture they were smiling that they're smiling no. today. You don't know unless you see it for you yourself. Don't know. Nope. See it for yourself. Hit that FaceTime button. Hit that Google Duo. Send that message. Ask how they're doing because how many times have we seen stories and tragically women commit suicide and you go on their feeds and the last thing they said was life's great. So yeah. don't do it. And I'm so happy we talked about it, Corey. Yep. Whew. Anyway, All right. that was heavy, right, but this conversation is light. Get into <laughs> yes. it. Get into it. Corey, you know, it's, it's, we get really, really excited when Black Hollywood royalty is in the building. Yes. And I'm emphasizing royalty because yes. not many can say that. Who's here, Corey? I usually say Nia motherfucking long, but I won't do that. <laughs> Please do that. Okay, okay, okay. Then I'm not, Corey, I'm not yes. really here. 
Yes. Because I got it. It's near motherfucking long. Yes. Yeah. In the building. I earned that title. I earned that. You yes. did. You really, really did. Where do we begin? Nia, you have been everything to us. Your career, the longevity of it. I mean, I just can't remember a role, a movie, anything that I didn't cherish in some way. You know, even up until what you're working on right now with Fayo Affair. You just stay busy. Listen, I have children to take care of, college tuition to pay for, and I like working. I like, I like to feel like I've accomplished something. I like to feel like I'm growing. I love my art. I love my craft. I love, you know, the, the opportunity to meet new artists. And I also love this new generation of filmmakers and actors. I'm very inspired by them. So I'll never stop working. I'll always be doing something, even if it's like, I always have this joke where I'm like, one day I'm going to go move back to the islands and have a little, you know, juice bar and a little grill restaurant that just serves like, you know, fresh grilled fish. And I'll just be there with all my grandchildren. And I talk about it all the time. Maybe one day it'll happen. Who knows? You just oh, I see that for you. I know I told oh, you there and I'm going to be, go. I'm going to come live next door to you. You totally can. I'm a, you know, I'm going to get lonely out there. Like I miss my girls. We will be there. You just took me there. The visuals, I want to go there with you. I, I, You know, this life has been so interesting and we've all had to, I feel like so many things are changing, but I do feel like mother nature is saying, wait a minute. Yeah. You've abused me. You've ignored me. And I'm now I'm going to force everyone to recalibrate. I'm going to force all of you to stop, to slow down, to get reconnected to truth and self so that we can recalibrate and redefine who we are and what our purposes are. Because people were just, I even felt the stress of just like this, everything was just moving so quickly and the demands and the pressure to like do something and be something. And, and then social media, you know, when I was young, there was no social media. I'm still mm -hmm. young. But when I was a girl, there was no social media. Truth, yeah, none of us. I mean, I see it with my son who's 19. So he's right in that zone of, you know, of being sort of led by social media. And I, every now and then I have to just take the phone. He's like, mom, I'm almost 20. You can't really take my phone like that anymore. I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> but they get hooked and we were all hooked. So we needed to pause. We, we needed to pause and we needed to think about what's important, what's not important. And everyone right now is equal. Yeah. No, you can't posture during COVID. Your ass is at home, just like my ass is at home. <laughs> okay. But not no meeting to go to. You don't have any place to go. If you do, it's a Zoom meeting and you're creating that schedule. So let's just... I, f I feel like people were constantly hiding and ducking and dodging the truth and and having these sideline conversations that were, you know, yes. just manipulative and coming from a place of fear as opposed to being open and honest about their position, about the truth, about where I stand in the business. I don't, you know, I, I my belief is if you work hard, the blessings will come. And if you're not with me, then get out of my way. Mm. If you're not with me, you don't get it, please, bye, move. Because when I go to sleep at night, I know who I am in my soul and in my heart. And I know what I do to give back and to 
I'm very giving and open and kind and loving, but I don't give that to everyone. And I'm a, I'm a girl from Brooklyn, so you can't really fool me like that. It's going <laughs> That's down. So rough. Oh, I thought that in my soul for you. I did. I did too. Oh, you know what that is. That's yeah. that thing where it's like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Yes. Well, that leads me to ask, because you, the roles you take on are very special. So, but, but I'm curious now, what makes you say yes? But what made you say yes to being in Fatal, Fatal Affair? One of the things that I really loved about Fatal Affair was that I had never um, done a thriller. I've never explored this genre. And coming off of The Banker, which was very heavy, political, important material, um, I wanted to do something light and, and something that was just pure entertainment. And I thought to myself, wow, I've never done a thriller. I should like do a thriller. And the next thing I knew, there was the script. The script was written for a non-African-American cast. They changed it. I came on as a producer. I reached out to Omar Epps and I reached out to Stephen Bishop. And um, we worked on the script with the director and the production company and the network. And we got it to a place where we felt like it was real to us. And we had to change character names and some of the dialogue and um, some of the things that happened to be a little bit, because my thing is, is in thrillers, you always feel like, why is she so dumb? <laughs> like, sis, run that way, <laughs> run know. that way. Don't I go up there. Why is he so dumb? We see that, well, I'm not buying certain things. And so, but if there's also, an interesting that happens in thrillers where there is a formula that people expect, whether it's conscious or subconscious, they expect things to happen in a certain way. So if you go too far away from it, you're losing them. So it's formulaic. It's a popcorn movie. It's, you know, scary and suspenseful when it needs to be. Omar is fantastic. This was my way of saying, hey, guys you know, the culture creators of the 90s were still standing. Oh, yeah. And that is one of the reasons I wanted to have him as my, as my leading man. The thing that I found when you talk about it being a thriller, the thing that was a little scary is, you know, I put myself in Ellie's shoes and she's thinking her girlfriend is counseled on dinner. Why not go out with someone I've gone to college with? It should be safe, right? You know, I won't give too much away, but, you know, then you find out later he's been loving you from afar for years mm-hmm. right you know, your character so and how easily that can happen yeah yeah the stalker thing is real i had a stalker who showed up at my house one time wait a minute what? say what but it was a woman it was a black woman who and i hope she's like not watching this because i'm like please don't come back come back I know. <laughs> last time um <laughs> oh my god and so i I, I was not afraid because I'm like, this is my property and my children are here. My family are here. And she, but the problem with her is she was so smart. Like she was a genius. So she actually went on social media and like created this whole fake story about me and my family and the FBI got involved and the NBA got involved. It was like, it was crazy. So, so I've been there, but I also, you know, I think the film brings up one important thing, and then that is check your mental health. Like if you're living in a state of delusion, then you need to get some help and some support. And, you know, this is obviously an extreme 
story of someone with mental health issues, but I do think since I have the platform, let's just say that I think black women are a lot more open to therapy than black men. It's true. Mm -hmm. I I have a therapist who I love and it's important to me. And I, I feel like in order for us to, to recreate what it means to be family and for us to have those conversations with our children in a real way, there's a lot of healing that needs to be done with us as black women with each other. Oh yeah. With black men separately and then black men with black women. Truly, and it all begins with conversation about these things, right? We have to talk about it and any means necessary. So if the movie sparks the conversation, right? If it's at dinner, no matter how we get there, we have to talk about it. And I love that we can do it through watching things on the screen, you know? And then what do you do when you watch a great movie? You say, wasn't they crazy? Oh, actually, no, he wasn't crazy. He was disturbed. And you know what I mean? Like, and that's when, that's how those conversations happen. So thank you for that. It's very good. And I think there's a lot, you know, there are a lot of those stories that where women just hold it in and don't say anything because they think in some sort of way that they, they caused that by, you know, by being sexual beings. We are beautiful sexual beings and we shouldn't have to hide that to protect ourselves. That doesn't make any sense. I also love in the film how real the not so great marriage moment is, right? Like, yeah. you know, we understand the realities of that, you know, and your husband in the film saying marriage is a series, not one event, right? And there's yeah. going to be good days and bad days. And I, I really love that authenticity there because mm-hmm. I think like you were saying, like making this movie, this plot your own, because so often we used to see, particularly with other movies, it's just like everything's cookie cutter. You know, everything's perfect. And I, I love the real life aspect there, particularly with marriage. Thank you. I think, look, um, marriage is, uh, love is complicated. Let's just start there. Mm -hmm. And then you start a marriage, which I've never been married, and there's a reason for that, because I don't know that I need to say I do to, to, to prove to you that I love you, but also, what is marriage really, that you own me now and I own you? Well, I don't get that part. I understand the religious aspect of marriage. That is beautiful and it's fantastical and it's, you know, it's um, dreamy and it's, you know, every girl's fantasy to have that moment. But I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I need that to feel like I'm in a partnership that's working. But I do know that everyone in a long-term relationship has had the feeling where the spark is gone. Stranger boat, stranger mode. Yes. And who are you? (laughs) Yeah. And really feeling lonely in a relationship, which is the worst thing you can, the worst thing you can feel to be in a commitment and you still feel lonely. I'd rather be lonely by myself because then you're kind of looking at the other person going, is he okay? Or is she okay? What, is this a good day or a bad day? No one has time for that. So, so, um, that's where I think these two people are in the mar- in their marriage. They're just, he's very loving in the movie. Like Steven is such a good actor and he was more loving than I actually thought he was going to be. But when we cut the film together, the network really liked that he was loving and kind to just sort of balance out the two different men in, in, the, um, in the film. I did, I did appreciate that because I was expecting him to like stay, you know, stay angry when everything came out. But I was like, no, he's really still, 
care for her. And it okay. felt it was like, to your point, Charlie, it was felt really authentic yeah. and, and really beautiful. And then also very beautiful, that house. I mean, yeah. this, yeah. where is the set? Can I go quarantine there? How long did you live there? Like, can I have it? We shot there for a month and we, I drove an hour to get to work every day. And it was um, far, but once you got there, it was so worth it. And um, beautiful house, beautiful house, owned by a, a, a couple down there who had retired and um, they were just renting their house and making a ton of money and a lot of stuff shoots there apparently. And, um, we were originally supposed to shoot the film back East. And then for whatever reason, I guess all the cast was here and it's like, well, we must well shoot here. And I was happy for that. Cause it's always hard balancing the kids and, and, sh and moving around. Um, so yeah, when I grow up, I wouldn't mind a house on the beach in Malibu. Again, I'll be your neighbor. Yes. <laughs> Mia, I know we don't have a ton of time with you, but before we wrap this one, one thing I, I want to thank you for, right? Is I think we, Corey and I talk about this all the time on the show. It's so nice as Black women to be able to see every side of ourselves on screen, right? And every, you know, we all sometimes I feel like there's eight Black women in me, right? And I don't know which one's going to come out. And I thank you for always choosing roles that no matter what your character is doing, we see some part of ourselves or our friend or our sister in those roles, right? And I think growing up with that made us feel more comfortable being whatever one of those people or black women was inside of us. And I just wanna thank you for that because it's really special to black women. That is like the most amazing compliment that I've ever received. And I, you're gonna make me cry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it's so true though. No, because you guys, I work my ass off for that. I want that for us. Because I know how, I know how difficult it is to maneuver in this world. Looking the way we do, speaking the way we do, and all of it is beautiful. But the pressure to have to adjust who we are yes. to be accepted wears on your self-esteem it wears on your confidence it wears on your sense of knowing who you are and your truth what what i think is great about right now is we're really in a time where we get to be whoever we want to be and who we really are and there's a big fight ahead of us to keep um battling and to keep using our voices and to keep being as black as we want to be and to um, stand for Breonna Taylor and to um, commit to ourselves in a way that our ancestors committed to their to them to themselves to push forward. I am so proud of, of the community of, of young people who are on the front lines. I'm, I really am. I really feel like, okay, they learned something from the 60s and the 70s. They learned something. They saw what was happening, but they also are living it. They're also living and experiencing the discrimination. And 
the world is opening up. And I'm and I just hope that, you know, when I was a little girl, my mother used to send me to we lived in Iowa, which was the Midwest. I was the only little black girl um, at my school. Maybe there might have been like five black kids in a school with 300 kids. And my mother used to send me to school with this big Angela Davis Afro. And I remember hating my hair because all the, you know, we, the, the, we'd go, I was a brownie and we would go on these field trips. And one of the field trips was to Supercuts. Oh. I remember Supercuts. <laughs> and everybody had a field trip. Oh, go ahead. Girl, everybody had their cute little fringe with their little highlighted golden locks and the, the white girl that got me i just remember her face she was like <gasps> what am i gonna do what am I supposed to do and she did not know what to do with my hair i was traumatized and on the way out as we were leaving the the field trip there was a, a bouquet of flowers and she took some baby's breath off because my hair looked crazy she did she should have just gave me an afro and called it a day but she tried to curl it and blow dry it and it just did not go well but she, anyway she took dried up baby's breath and put it in my hair to try oh. to make me feel better and i just remember feeling so unattractive mm. so ugly i didn't like i wanted to be different i didn't want to be white but I wanted to feel like I fit into my environment, right? And then came South Central Los Angeles. <laughs> and then I was like, John yeah. <laughs> Angela Davis, Afro Black Panther. And I just blossomed because my mother never wavered. Yeah, She taught me really young to appreciate everything. And my father too, who's a poet, everything black was amazing. And the black experience was not gonna be like any other experience in this country and to stand for what you believe in and to know that the way you look is beautiful no matter what. And so to see where we are in the world now, I feel like, okay, thank you mommy and daddy for giving me the tools to speak up. And the confidence. Oh, thank you. And we see that confidence on You made screen. me cry. Thank you, I, I know. I That's what Charlie does. But Nia, seriously, thank you. Thank I mean, like, thank you. Corey and I just thank you for choosing to come on the show and spend some time with us and open up. You guys are so cute. <laughs> it was just a love fest. I anytime. Think. I'll come talk to y'all anytime. Thank you. Thanks to our guest, Nia Long. Be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yes Girl, such as our conversations with Rafael Sadiq, Kelly Rowland, Regina King, and Fantasia. You can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and Google Play. And while you're there, be sure to rate us and review us. See you next week. Bye.